text for this morning comes from Luke's Gospel, the 24th chapter, beginning with the 28th verse. It's a story that you've heard a number of times. As they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it is almost evening and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road? while he was opening the scriptures to us. That same hour, they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. The word of the Lord. It's only in Luke's Gospel that we find this story of a man by the name of Cleopas and an unnamed companion who are headed back home to Emmaus, just seven miles west of Jerusalem. And these two companions, traveling companions, are discouraged. Their hopes and their dreams have been shattered because of the crucifixion of Jesus. Cleopas. Some scholars believe that he was the brother of Joseph, the spouse of the Virgin Mary. Now we're not really sure who his traveling companion was that day. But some speculate that it might have been his wife, Mary. John's Gospel in the 19th chapter talks about Mary, the wife of Cleopas, standing there at the foot of the cross. One thing that we do know that Cleopas and his companion have bet all they had on the wrong proverbial horse because Jesus was supposed to redeem them. He was to be the man, Messiah, the one who would raise Israel up. But now that Jesus was dead and his body was even missing. Cleopas and his companion are walking home toward Emmaus. And perhaps they are walking home to resume the life that they thought they had left behind. I wonder, I wonder about their conversations on the way back to Emmaus. What stories did they tell? Did they talk about Jesus and all the times he spoke of his imminent death? Did they talk about all those events that happened between the Passover meal and the crucifixion? 
or did they tell funny stories? The kinds of stories that you and I tell at the funeral of a loved one or a friend. Sometimes I get carried away and I just can imagine Cleopas and the unnamed companion having a conversation like this. One speaks to the other and says, you remember that time when Jesus took some bread and fish and fed the multitude on the hillside real close to Capernaum? And the other responded, yeah, that was incredible, wasn't it? And a little further down the road, one looked at the other and said, what about the time that Jesus touched a leper and made that leper whole? And the other said, yeah, that was pretty gross. I thought he was going to end up with leprosy. Or what about the time when Jesus spoke a word of judgment to the leaders, the religious leaders, and how they got so angry with him that I thought their heads were going to blow. And the other said, yeah, I was waiting for that to happen. Good times, good times, good times. But did you notice? Cleopas and the unnamed companion talk about good times in the past. Now the truth is, some of you resonate with them. We've all come here for some reason this morning looking for something that might fill us up, change our lives, Give us hope. Some of you are just like these two travelers on the road to Emmaus. You are looking back rather than forward. These two were walking back, not forward to the next chapter of their lives. Out of nowhere, Jesus appears. It says that in the scriptures. And he asks, what are you talking about? One of them quickly says, who are you? They don't recognize Jesus. They don't know who he is. Now, Will Malambury is getting ready. You may not know this, but some of you may. Will Malambury is getting ready to lead a group to Israel a year from now. Betsy and I have led 21 groups there since 1985. I've been there. I've taken that road from Jerusalem to Emmaus in the late afternoon and the sun setting in the Middle East is absolutely brilliant. And maybe, just maybe, they were on the road back to Emmaus and the sun was setting and it was so brilliant that it blinded them. Maybe that's why they didn't know Jesus. But it might be that they didn't know Jesus because their eyes were full of tears. Some of you in here this morning have tears in your eyes. They stop and ask Jesus, are you the only person in the world who doesn't know what has happened this week? That's a little bit of irony because the truth is Jesus really is the only one who knows what has happened this week. 
Did you not get a chance to hear Jesus speak? Didn't you get your hopes up that things were going to be different and the Romans were soon going to be out of here? They tell this stranger about Jesus. They still don't know who he is. They tell this stranger about the one they hoped would redeem Israel. And they mention the empty tomb as well. Jesus steps up and redirects them. He calls the class together. He puts them through school. Jesus says to them that they should not be traveling in defeat, but instead they should be moving into the future with hope and optimism in order to accomplish the mission of the church. Jesus says, how foolish you are. If you had only paid more attention to the prophets, you would know that the crucifixion had to take place. At this moment, Jesus takes them through the scriptures. It says right there in that text that Jesus opens up the scriptures to them. Jesus suggests that they take one more look at the long path of redemption that God has been working out since the very beginning of time. Now, just like two travelers on the road to Emmaus, you and I are on a journey in this life. And we find ourselves here. The first Sunday in June, weeks after Easter Sunday. I can just imagine how how much emotion and enthusiasm was in this church on Easter Sunday. This church has always had incredible music, and I suspect that the crowd was tremendous, and I know your pastors, they were at their best. But perhaps now, you're back to where you were before. Wherever it is you think you're headed on this journey, the risen Christ asks all of us this morning to stop and to reflect. What in the world does it mean for you to claim Easter in a world with more than its share of Good Friday? In this crazy world in which we live, what does Easter mean for us And how does it fit into the bigger story of Scripture, but more importantly, your life? What difference does it make? Tell me, are you headed toward the dawn in your life? Are you headed toward the light? Or have you become cynical and headed toward darkness and defeat? Are you moving forward or backward? By the time Jesus completes his lecture, the three of them have reached Emmaus. And Jesus toys with them, giving them the impression that he's going to move on. One of them says, Why don't you stay with us? You shouldn't be on the road at night. 
because they are so welcoming, because they are concerned about the welfare of another person, because they extend an invitation to their table, a miracle happens, and they recognize Jesus. And of all things, Jesus the guest becomes the host. He takes the bread around the table, he blesses it, he breaks it, and he gives it to them. Does that not sound familiar? And as soon as they recognize Jesus, he just disappears. And then they look at one another and say, Were not our hearts burning while he was talking to us on the road? What started out early in the morning as a long walk of failure and crushed dreams turned into greater understanding and stories and hospitality and a shared meal and a new focus on the future. The two travelers get up and they head back to Jerusalem immediately. They just cannot keep the good news to themselves. I suspect they go back and tell the other disciples. The women said it was an empty tomb and we accused them of promoting an idle tale, but it's the truth. And then they tell what happened on the road to Emmaus. They share their story. They tell how they broke bread together. They tell how Jesus made the scriptures known to them. And they tell why all of us are still supposed to hope, even though the world around us gives us reason to despair. I'm at Blaine Memorial United Methodist Church in Merle's Inlet, and I just don't miss a Sunday to tell my people when you leave here, you be different than when you came in here. And so what I want to challenge you now is that I want you to make the Scriptures come alive for you. And this week, I want you to do something the Methodists have a hard time doing. I want you to invite someone to sit down with you so that you can tell your story. I want you to tell somebody how you've been able to make it through some difficult times in your life. Or maybe you've not had to struggle at all. Maybe, thanks be to God, maybe your life has just been great. You tell somebody that story. You tell somebody how you've been saved. Emotionally, psychologically, spiritually. You tell somebody how, how your marriage has been restored. Or how, thanks be to God, you found the right marriage partner. Or you tell somebody how you've lost everything, but by the grace of God, you've been able to put your life back together. This week, I want you to tell somebody your story. You tell somebody how good God has been to you. But second, I want you to practice radical hospitality. That's a word that when I first talked about it, it blamed radical hospitality. My congregation went in orbit. What do you mean? 
And I just simply need you. You keep being hospitable on top of being hospitable. Take the initiative to speak to somebody this week because you don't know the struggle in that person's life. And your friendliness, your hospitality might be the very thing to make a difference. And then I want you in just a few moments to come to the Lord's table. Even if you aren't United Methodist, even if you aren't a member of any church, this is the Lord's table, and if you desire to receive these elements, you come. I feel so sorry in a way that my father, I grew up in Bishopville, my father, I never saw him take communion. And before he died, I finally got a nerve, nerve up to ask him why. And he said, Mike, I never felt worthy enough. That's why we take communion. So you come and you, you celebrate the sacrament of the Lord's Supper and you don't stay away from church on any Sunday because it's Communion Sunday. That's when we need it the most. And you focus on the Scriptures. You know, I just got to say this. You think you know the Scriptures, but only after you've been to Israel do the Scriptures really come alive. And I want to challenge you to take a risk to go with Will. Because I'm telling you, you'll read the scriptures in ways you've never read them before. We don't need to interpret the scriptures. We need to let the scriptures speak to us. I deal with a lot of people on the coast who are very opinionated and they want to tell God what the scriptures say. But we need to let God tell us what the scriptures say. And finally, you need to get up from here today and leave here being more positive and hopeful for this church and this city and this world than ever before. And I say all this to you because it is in the telling of our stories, it is in the breaking of bread, it is in receiving the inspiration of God's holy word, and it is in remaining positive and hopeful that Jesus Christ opens our eyes and sets our hearts to burn. So today, may your heart and yours and yours and mine burn with the power and presence of Jesus in all of us.